Well, good morning once again. It's uh, so beautiful out there that uh, it's a reminder of the fact that each new day uh, is a, a gift to us. Each new day is uh, an, an opportunity to experience the mercies of God afresh and anew in our lives. And you know, when we stop and think about it, we really do have so much to be thankful for. And yet, um, while we enjoy all kinds of privileges that come simply as a result of the land in which we live, if we're really honest, we can often take those kinds of privileges, the blessings that we get to experience for granted. You know, this coming week, I am going to be heading to the Far East and uh, then from there to the Middle East to be involved in, in, in training pastors. And one of the things that I'm constantly aware of as I travel to different places around the world is just how restrictive many of the different nations around the world are. Uh, so some of the places that I'm going to even this week, uh, communications are heavily monitored. The Internet is censored. Uh, Even movement from place to place to place is extremely restricted. And it reminds me, whenever I come back home, of the kind of freedoms that we enjoy. Uh, The kind of freedoms that sometimes we are tempted to forget about and to take for granted, and we certainly have good reason to thank God for His mercies in our life. But but while oftentimes we think of this land in which we live as, uh, uh, as, as the land of the free, I want us to spend a little bit of time this morning considering whether even though we have so many opportunities, even though we have access to so many different things, and we have unlimited access to things that people around the world, for the most part, don't have. Could it be that if we are honest, that we don't truly know what freedom is? In fact, could it be that that if we're honest... Many of us are living as slaves, even in the midst of a land where we celebrate freedom. You know, this was an issue that the folks in the church in the ancient city of Galatia we're all too familiar with, and it was a a burden, a concern that the Apostle Paul had for them, that even though there was a sense in which they had a deep and tremendous freedom, that they were allowing themselves to become enslaved to other things that kept them from experience the the true freedom that God had for them. 
This morning, I want us to spend a few minutes together in the New Testament book of Galatians, in Galatians chapter 5, to see what the Apostle Paul, as he wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, had to say to this church. Galatians chapter 5 is found in the pages of the New Testament. I want to encourage you to turn with me there right now in your copies of the Scriptures. I'm going to begin in verse 1, and there we read these words. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not, be, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Uh, he, he's concerned here. He starts off uh, this chapter in the book of Galatians, and, and, and essentially what he has to say to his readers back there some 2,000 years ago is, is still something that is vitally important for us today, and that is that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then Christ has set us free. So don't become a slave to anything. A few weeks ago, we celebrated once again the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, even just a few moments ago, we partook together in, in um, communion as we reflect on the fact that our Savior humbled Himself to death, even death on a cross, to hang and to die, to take your place and mine, to pay my debt, to pay for your sins through his death on the cross. That he died, was buried, and then on the third day victoriously rose to life again. You see, the death and the resurrection of Jesus brings life and freedom to those who come to him by faith. And and it brings that life and that freedom because a payment was made on the cross of Calvary that was sufficient for all of our sins. And so if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is a, a, a simple truth that we speak about often in church, but we should never lose sight of it. And that is that that when Christ died, He died for our salvation and our freedom. As John's Gospel says, that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so there is a freedom that every single follower of Jesus Christ possesses that has been purchased for us. And it's not about whether or not we're free to have unlimited internet access. It's not about freedom uh, to be able to, 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 to travel to different states without having to, to, to cross a border and show some form of identification. No, it's a freedom that is far richer and far deeper and far more profound than that. It is a freedom from the penalty of sin. It is a freedom from the certainty of condemnation and judgment before a holy God who we have offended. Because now that debt, that offense has been paid. It has been satisfied. It has been dealt with. It's a freedom from fear. There is a freedom of soul. 
that comes to those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ because of what he has done for us. And we should, we should rejoice in that. And, and, and so I want you to know that if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that God himself has announced you to be free in him. It may be that you're here this morning and, and, and you've never yet come to that place of acknowledging who Christ is and what he's done and that it was for you, specifically for you. And, and, and I, would, I would encourage you this morning that we are so thankful that you're here. And you're not here by chance. You're here because the sovereign God who created the heavens and the earth has drawn you here because he loves you and because he wants you to know that the same freedom is available for you. And that if this morning you are feeling like you are weighed down by guilt or by shame or just by the sense of condemnation, if this morning you're feeling like like fear in your life is just overwhelming, if this morning you feel like you're in a place that is lost and you just kind of feel tied up in knots, God wants you to know that in Him there is freedom and there is forgiveness. But what the Apostle Paul, as he writes to this church some 2,000 years ago, and as the Spirit of God ministers His Word to us today, wants us to understand is that Christ has set us free. That, that when we come to Him by faith, that there is freedom. But we are in a dangerous predicament, and that dangerous predicament is that we have a tendency to fall back into enslavement. In fact, uh, this passage goes on, and as it does so, we see that the Galatian church and the believers there were in danger of being led astray from the freedom that is found in Christ to the slavery of, if you like, religious rule-keeping. Uh, look with me at verse 2 and following. It says here, uh, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, then Christ will be of no advantage to you. In fact, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, then why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish that those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Now, this is, uh, it seems like a little bit of a strange passage here, but, but where he starts off giving this instruction about freedom, about the fact that Christ has set us free, he, he's also concerned that the believers there understand the danger, the predicament that they are in of being tempted to go back into a form of slavery from which Christ has freed them. 
See, I, I use this word slavery because in the announcement of the gospel through the pages of the New Testament, we will often see uh, uh, slavery spoken of. Uh, we will actually see that every person apart from faith in Jesus Christ is described as being a slave to sin. And when we talk about the gospel, we often will use the word redemption, that Christ has redeemed us. And, and, and what that word redemption speaks of is a purchase that has been made to take somebody who was a slave to pay a price for them, to buy their freedom. But here in the church in Galatia, they were slipping back because of the false teaching of some into this religious rule-keeping methodology. And, and, and Paul's very specific as to what it is. He, he goes into a lot of detail here about circumcision. In fact, it, there were people in the church there who were using circumcision as, if you like, a, a litmus test um, for true spirituality, for truly being a Christian. They were essentially teaching, yeah, Jesus is all fine and good, but your faith in Jesus, while that's important, needs to be added to the practice of circumcision. And specifically, he was speaking, uh, or these false teachers were speaking to those who were Gentiles, that is, non-Jews, about the fact that they needed first to be circumcised in order to be included in the benefits of what Christ had done. Or, or to put it another way, they were simply saying that, that those of you who are non-Jews need to become Jewish in your practices before you can truly be saved, before you can truly be beneficiaries of what it is that Christ has done. And Paul says, I have no time for that. That is not true. In fact, he says here, as you may have noticed in verse 2, he says, if you accept circumcision, then Christ will be of no advantage to you. Why does he say that? Because he wants the believers there to understand, and we need to understand this vitally important truth, that when we try to add something to Jesus Christ. When we say that salvation, that freedom from sin, that life in Him is dependent on anything other than Christ and Christ alone, then we have missed the entire point of Christianity. And just like in the church in Galatia back then, so is true today, we live in a world where people still, for the most part, are okay with Jesus. But it's Jesus plus something else. It's Jesus plus circumcision. It's Jesus plus living a fairly good moral life. It's Jesus plus good works. And even in the church, it's Jesus plus my checklist of things. And what Paul once the believers there to understand is as soon as you put your trust in something other than Jesus Christ, you are denying his sufficiency. He says, if, if you want to trust in circumcision, that's fine, but here's what happens. You put yourself back under the whole obligation of the law. In other words, you 
are in a position where if you take just a piece of that, if you take a good work, if you take a religious thing, then now you are under the full weight of having to be justified by keeping the law perfectly. Here's the bad news. You can't do that. Nobody has ever done that. Apart from Jesus himself. There is no way for us to stand before a holy God based on our own merit, based on our own activities, based on our own goodness or our own righteousness. And yet, this is a problem in our culture. Amongst all of the freedoms that we have, one of the things that we, that we are under, the, uh, under the, the weight of, one of the things that enslaves us is the attitude of, well, just pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You know what? That may work in certain environments, but it, it doesn't work in our standing before God. None of us can pull our own bootstraps up in the presence of a holy God. And so Paul is concerned that they understand this. He, he speaks here in this passage about the fact that, 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 uh, that they started off well. Uh, but now these false teachers are hindering them. They're trying to trick them, as it were, back into this idea of adding something to their faith. He says it's a dangerous thing because there's a sense in which there's a sense in which we are when we do that, adding yeast to the lump. We are infecting the whole body of Christ when we have this attitude and when we teach this attitude to others. This attitude of, uh, in order for you to be saved, you need to add something to your salvation. In order for you to, 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 to be a part of our church, well, you've got to clean yourself up first. You see, we're in danger because sometimes we try to add something. We try to bring works to our salvation, but sometimes it's not so much that. Sometimes it's we add works to the preaching of the gospel. And maybe for some of us, this is the bigger issue for us, that we fall into the trap a little bit like the Judaizers there in the church in Galatia. And, and we are confident and we're comfortable with the fact that salvation is by faith through grace there's all about what Christ has done, and that's how I'm saved. Oh, but you? No, 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 no. You, you have to clean yourself up first before you can come to Jesus. You? Yeah, yeah, you have to deal with that first. You? Oh, you're a Republican? No, no, no. Unless you, you, you're a Democrat? No, no, you can't come to faith. We set ridiculous standards for other people. You can't have tattoos and be a follower of Jesus. Oh, well, if you, want to come, if you want to come to faith in Jesus and you're struggling with your sexuality, oh, well, we'll deal with that first and then we'll talk about it. No, that is getting the gospel upside down and inside out. And yet this is what they were doing there in Galatia. And he says, don't add to the gospel. Paul is very clear about the seriousness of this. He wants them to understand that our efforts to add to the gospel leave us enslaved to whatever it is that we're adding. But Christ wants us to experience freedom in him. We also see here the fact that 
while this is talking about circumcision, the reality is that most of us probably aren't wrestling with our need to trust in circumcision for salvation. But if we're not careful, we are each in danger exchanging freedom in Christ for slavery to other things. And that falling back into slavery is something that we need to be on guard against at every step of the Christian life. Up on the screen for several minutes now, um, um, you see uh, that there are seven different things there. It's interesting as you look through the pages of the New Testament, what we discover is that the, there are seven uh, areas actually throughout the Scriptures um, that we are to be careful not to be enslaved by. You see, uh, here in Galatians, it talks about religious law-keeping. It talks about uh, this issue of legalism, that even for those who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, we are in danger of becoming enslaved once again to this idea of a works-based, of a merit-based salvation system, which is no salvation at all. And we can put this, this burden on other people. And folks, it's exhausting to do this. And it cannot save. There is no freedom found. Let me say this again. There is no freedom found in trying to add to the gospel. You cannot be saved by religious activities. Romans chapter 6 speaks about the fact that there is a slavery to sin, and we need to understand that for those of us who are in Christ, we have been purchased out of slavery to sin. It no longer has mastery over us, and we have now been purchased into a different slavery, which actually the Scriptures call freedom. We are now slaves of Christ. We live exclusively for Him. We talked a little bit about this last week when we were talking about experiencing purpose. And, and the warning there in Romans chapter 6 is that we not fall back into mastery of sin. That doesn't mean that we're not still going to struggle with temptation. It doesn't mean that we're not at times going to stumble again. But sin no longer controls us. There was a time where it once did, but not anymore. Colossians chapter 2 uh, tells us that we must not be taken captive by worldly philosophies and human traditions and, and elemental spirits of this world. What's that talking about? Well, there's all sorts of worldly philosophies that people get so wrapped up in that they don't realize that they are becoming enslaved to it. Political ideologies. Again, as I travel to different places around the world, I see this idea of worldly philosophies. I mean, to be honest, some of us are so enslaved to, to 24-hour news channels that our entire existence is, is, is based upon how we are feeling, is based upon what is going on in the political realm. I've got news for you. No individual and no political party is the hope of the world. That is Jesus Christ and Him alone. And God is still sovereign 
regardless of who is in the White House or the State House. In fact, the scriptures tell us that God raises up and casts down leaders. When we get wrapped up in political ideologies, in worldly philosophies, when we get wrapped up in human traditions, sometimes those are hidden within things in the church. Sometimes it's within our own family. We allow the way that things have always been done. We allow that thing that our mom and our grandmother before that and our great-grandmother before that guilted everybody into to be a controlling factor in our life. And we live in a world where people think that spiritualism is no big deal. That New Age philosophies, that Oprah Winfrey's latest garbage needs to be paid attention to. And not only paid attention to you, to but religiously followed. It sounds good at first. But these subtle untruths lead us into a slavery because they begin to turn our affections from Christ. Scripture speaks about uh, the fact that we are in danger if we're not careful of becoming enslaved to addictions. It's interesting, in Titus chapter 2, this is specifically uh, referencing how older women are, are, are to instruct younger women. And the instruction there is very interesting. It says, and teach them not to become enslaved to much wine. And so it's a reminder of the fact that there are things that we can allow in our lives, addictive things, practices, and substances that we can allow in our life that actually begin to enslave us. They trap us. They promise one thing. They they seem to offer a momentary relief or release, and yet they ensnare us, enslave us. Scripture also talks in 1 Timothy about the love of money. Amongst the freedoms that we enjoy in this nation, this is perhaps one of the areas where it subtly creeps into our life, but we can be in danger, according to 1 Timothy chapter 6, of, being, of becoming slaves of the love of money. Everything in our life becomes focused on how do I get more. Everything becomes focused on how is the stock market doing we go into a tailspin and we're panicking because the markets have just dropped. It also tells us that we can be enslaved by debt. Do you ever think of that? See, actually in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, we are told that um, uh, the borrower is slave to the lender. Well, you know, that just seems, that's, you know, debt's just kind of a part of, yeah, it is sort of a part of life in our culture. But do you ever stop and think about the fact that debt isn't something that we should just keep on accumulating? Debt is a tool that we can maybe use with wisdom, but we have to be careful that we don't become enslaved by it because, you see, what if, what if here today, God, were to be speaking into your heart about stepping away from the job that you're in, about taking a radical step of faith in the life of your family, 
as you open up your home uh, uh, to others and practice hospitality in a fresh or new way, about, about stepping away from what you're doing into a new season of, of, of serving Him in some other capacity. Oftentimes, we will say, well, well you know, Lord, I really want to serve you, but, but I got bills to pay. Lord, I really want to serve you, but, but, but the, there's the credit card. Lord, I'd really like to obey you in that area of generosity, that area of giving that you command. But I can't do that right now because the car payment is overwhelming. You see, debt enslaves us. It can keep us from doing what it is that God calls us to do. And Scripture also tells us that we can be enslaved by former corrupt things that overcome us and entice us back. What is this talking about? It's talking about the fact that each one of us has some stuff in our life that when it rears its head again, it is very enticing to us. And there is a danger of going back to the things that we used to do from our former life before coming to Christ because it can trap us again. So, when we think of this idea of the fact that we've been set free in Christ, that we must not become a slave to anything, the question is, why is this so important? Well, think about it. Each of these, and perhaps some others that we could think of as well, they enslave us because they give, they cause us to give allegiance to them. Anything that causes us to give our allegiance to it rather than God is having mastery over us. Uh, It's also an issue because uh, these begin to dictate our priorities. It, it, It may be that you have subtly become enslaved to something and are giving up something of the freedom that you have in Christ because you are finding that that thing in your life is beginning to dictate priorities. You know what? We can sometimes joke and laugh about this, but sometimes we, sometimes we really do become enslaved to technology. We're not in football season right now, so I can point to that and nobody's going to be too hot under the collar. But, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes we, we fix our entire schedule around the games that are playing. We like the nine o'clock service because uh, it means that we can get out on time and make it to the noon game. But then, it's not just about our priorities. These things in our life can often also become obstacles, as I've alluded to, to our complete obedience in Christ. They can rob us of joy and peace. It, it, it may be that you are enslaved to something if you are feeling a lack of joy and a lack of peace in your life. And you know what? At the root of this, they can deceive us over our identity. See, when we're enslaved in an area of addiction, when we are enslaved in an area of worldly philosophy, when we're enslaved in an area of the love of money or or debt or those former corrupt things, we can begin to see ourselves and identify ourselves not based on what God has declared about us, but we we start to see ourselves as an addict. We start to see ourselves um, as as either rich or, or poor, and we start to identify based on these different things. We, if we're entrapped to religious rule-keeping, we start to identify ourselves as, well, I'm a pretty good person. My good works, for the most part, outweigh my 
bad works, and that's a good thing, right? And then we start to look at others around us, and we start to identify them based on the standard that we think that we should be living by. You see, we are called to a life that is radically different. We are called to a life of freedom in Christ. First and foremost, it is a spiritual freedom. But it is also a freedom that says, since Christ has set me free, since he has called me to himself, since he has given me a new identity in him, and I am no longer a slave to the things that I used to be enslaved to, but I now have new ownership, I belong to Christ. We must be careful that we do not start to serve something other than the Savior who has purchased us for himself. So what do we do? How do we gain freedom if we've become enslaved to one of these or to something else? First of all, it begins with where I began this morning, really the truth of verse 1 of Galatians chapter 5 was for freedom that Christ has set you free. You need to acknowledge, you need to understand this incredible truth, and that is that our God is a God of freedom. Our God is a God of liberty. Our God is a God who delights to reach down and take those people who are lost, who are, who are drowning, who are exhausted, who are stuck in the mud and the murk and the mire, and lift them up and clean them off and transfer them to the kingdom of his beloved son and declare over them that they are free, that they are loved, that they are valuable, that they are in Christ forgiven. There is nothing else like true biblical Christianity. There is no freedom to be found in Hinduism. There is no freedom to be found in Buddhism. There is no freedom to be found in Islam. There is no freedom to be found in Confucianism. There is freedom only in Christ. And so it starts by recognizing that the God who loves you wants his children to be free in him. And so so what we need to do, if we find ourselves getting stuck in this again, if we find ourselves being tempted back into an area that, that, that is enslaving us, that is enchaining us, that is taking priority in our life, we need to get real with God about it. We need to confess it to Christ. We need to turn to him for forgiveness and, and, and for power. We need to say, God, I thank you that you long for me to experience the freedom that you have purchased for me. And... and, and I want to confess today, God, that here's some stuff in my life that I've allowed to start to to have mastery over me. Here's some stuff that I'm going back to. And you don't want me to have that in my life anymore. But it is a really strong pull. And I need your help. I need your power because I can't dislodge myself from that in my own strength. You need to get real with God about that. You need to make it an area of concerted prayer in your life. Because remember... Christianity isn't about pulling our bootstraps up. That's true when it comes to our our salvation. It's true when it comes to, to our justification before God. But it's also true when it comes to our sanctification. 
we come to Christ. We receive the gift of salvation by grace through faith. And we grow in Christ every step of the way, not based on our own hard work, although we engage with the Spirit in what He's doing, but based on His own grace and through faith. We need to seek Him for power to dislodge these things in our life. We need to turn to other believers for encouragement and for accountability and for support. Some of us have some stuff in our life right now that we are hiding from other people. And, and, and there's a sense in which we love it because we wouldn't do sin if we didn't love it. And yet there's a sense in which we hate it because the Spirit of God is birthing this, this, this conviction, this awareness of the fact that, that, that this is controlling us, that this isn't what God has for us. God has placed in your life other believers to encourage you, to walk with you. And, and some of us need to get real with one or two trusted people around us. Guys, we need to get t- together with one or two trusted men. And, and we need to bear our soul over this. We need to say, guys, I need your help. I need you to pray for me. I, I, I need you to, uh, to hold me accountable. And I don't just mean uh, um, say that you'll hold me accountable uh, and then don't ask me the hard questions. I mean, get into my life. Some of us need to get together with a small group of women. Ladies, we need to do that. We need to share something that we are trapped by. We need to get real with one another. We need to encourage and support one another. We need to ask the hard questions. We need to challenge one another over this so that we dislodge these things in the power of Christ. And we also need to seek wisdom and make a plan. See, as we seek God in this area, as we seek accountability and encouragement, we also need to get serious about it. We need to make a plan, and we need to stick to that plan. If you struggle with alcohol, then your plan may be something as simple as the fact that, you know what, I can't go to places where alcohol is being served. It's not wise for me to be there. If it has to do with uh, internet pornography, maybe it's a matter of the fact I can't have a smartphone anymore. I need to go dumb with my phone. Because having access to that in my pocket at all times is is dangerous for me. We need to be smart. We need to make a plan. We we need to get serious about the issue of slavery. We may think, oh, well, that's kind of restrictive. That's kind of legalistic. No, I'm saying that we need to learn the rhythms of grace. I'm saying that we need to depend on the power of God. And I'm, I'm saying that we need to use the intellect that God has given us. You know, sometimes we make excuses. Well, you know, I, you know that's, that, that's just really legalistic. Okay, that may sound spiritual, but you're actually being the definition of a biblical fool. You see, in Scripture, the wise person is someone who learns the skill of living life before God, but the fool is the one who knows what they should do, and they don't do it. And sometimes we allow excuses to keep us enslaved. So I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you came in with this morning, but hear this. In Christ, there is freedom. Don't give it up. The picture 
that I want to end with this morning is really something that comes right out of the pages of Scripture when it speaks about this idea of slavery and, and, and sin having mastery over us and, and going back again to something that used to control us but no longer does. Imagine just for a moment that you were in the army. Some of you were. And, and there in, in the army in boot camp, you had a, uh, um, a really uh, a dominant drill sergeant. And he put you through it during during uh, boot camp. And he would bark out commands and you knew as uh, having him as your commanding officer that you had no choice but to obey those commands that he gave. Now, now imagine this. 20 years later, you're no longer in the army. You're walking down the street one day and all of a sudden you hear a familiar shout behind you. And that shout says, drop and give me 20. And, and, and your initial inclination is to get down on the floor and start doing it because that is what you have been accustomed to do. When you hear that voice, when it tells you to do something, that's what you do. And so you begin to get down, but all of a sudden you remember, he doesn't control me anymore. He no longer has authority over me. See, many of us continue to struggle even after coming to faith in Christ Jesus and we go back into enslavement to other things, to the stuff from our past because we have for so many years been accustomed to listening to that voice and doing whatever it says. Folks, here's the message of the gospel. That thing no longer has mastery over you. There was a time that you had no choice but to obey, obey the voice of sin. But in Christ, the power of sin and death, the power of slavery has been broken. The debt has been paid. And while that voice may still shout at you from time to time, while it still may seem like it's constantly bombarding you, you have to do this. Come back and do this. This is good. This is who you are. The gospel reminds us of this simple truth. You have a new identity. You have been set free in Christ. You are no longer a slave to sin. You're a child of God. In Christ, there is freedom. Don't give it up. Father, we are surrounded by so many things that whisper into our ears that our attention and our affections are drawn to. And we're tempted to go back into them. Sometimes it's keeping a list of religious rules and sometimes it's far more subtle things. Sometimes it's things from the past, addictions, Images that come to our mind. Sometimes it is just the overwhelming temptation that seems to be around us. Oh God, help us to remember and live in the freedom that you have purchased for us. And Lord, I, I know that in a group this size that there are some here this morning who are feeling trapped. 
that there are some areas that they earnestly desire to be free in, and yet time and time and time again, it feels like they trip up in the same area and are pulled back once again. Lord God, I pray and that as your people, we would experience freedom that you have purchased for us. I pray that where we are feeling discouraged and helpless, that you would give hope. And as your word says, that you would help us to see the way out that you provide in the midst of temptation. Lord, teach us not to listen to that voice of the flesh any longer, but instead to walk by your spirit. And where we are tempted to think of ourselves the way that we were before coming to Christ. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of our identity in you as those who are free, those who are forgiven, those who are loved. And Lord, as you have promised, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, teach us to walk in freedom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.